Hello there, and welcome to episode 36 of Did You Watch The Race? This week on the show, we'll be previewing the first race of the 2024 season in Bahrain. We'll also be updating you on any pre-season newsy bits. And finally, we'll have good friend of the show, Mick, on to chat through your F1 fantasy. But before all that, we'll have a quick run through F1 testing that happened last week. So I don't know how much of it you guys saw or kind of kept up with. Um, I just kept up with, to date with the updates that were coming out from F1 Sky Sports on Instagram. Yeah. So I kind of saw the results, but I didn't actually see any of the racing. I did watch yeah. some footage of the drones that were there. That was pretty cool. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, did you not? No. It was real cool. They had um, high-speed drones. They had one chasing Max around the track for a while. And it was able to keep up with them at full speeds. They'd done one in the rain as well. It was very cool. It took them like a year to develop. Oh, actually, I sorry. I have seen what you're talking about. Yeah, never mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I kept up with it. I meant to mention this to people, but the Autosport website always has a really good live blog. So you don't have to actively watch. You can kind of just keep day-to-day or kind of hour-to-hour updates on it. But that's... uh, week late Mm -hmm. now so yeah i think we didn't learn a huge pile really i think everyone had kind of assumed it would be as it was we had Haas with highest mileage which maybe is good they hopefully have fixed their tire issues that they've had for the last how many years they in f1 (laughs) red bull obviously stole the show to a degree with max and checo clocking up massive mileage and very solid times but they're very different car as well yeah also they weren't too happy about it from what i've heard there's a lot of complaining going on i don't know how much of it's sandbagging but it didn't seem like it yeah it's so hard to know with them because sandbagging and being bad are the same thing from the outside so mm-hmm. yeah they, fair. they seemed happy enough from what Ant and i've seen given the amount of change to the car so that's all they can really ask for you know that they they're the only ones that know the engine modes they're running in and fuel loads everything like that and even still yeah the majority of the teams from any discussions from the, the other teams have been that they have improved from last year is what they're all assuming yeah so that's pretty bad for the grid i think it's an interesting one as well where like a lot of teams have basically said they have the freedom to do that because if they need to they can go back to last year's car effectively because the regulations haven't changed enough so they'd be able oh, to yes. get that That's a good point. pretty close to that back quite quick and still probably be fighting for wins comfortably with it so yeah it's crazy mercedes ferrari there wasn't a huge pile out of them Obviously, there was a lot of discussion about the both or with the Hamilton-Ferrari switch, but I feel like that's just going to be the start of the season. I feel like it's going to be going on through the whole season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mercedes are definitely a lot happier than they've been after the last few tests, so optimistically that's something. But I think from my viewing of it, Ferrari are definitely second best, and then you'll probably have Mercedes, McLaren, and Aston Martin-ish in that kind of fourth spot, or third, fourth, fifth spot. I'm glad... Uh mclaren are starting off well this year as opposed to last year Mm. so like i think they could have a really good season this year it was definitely better than last year but i'm not sure if they're as happy as they could be look we'll we'll learn a lot more this weekend but they didn't seem too happy they had a few issues with the car but that's kind of a double-edged sword as well where they want to find issues with the car and testing because they have Mm. time to fix them then you know a car breaking down during testing is a sign of what needs to be fixed there and then but so as in one to two breakdowns during testing is okay because they can fix them. Whereas anything more than that, it's, there's probably an underlying issue outside of that causing them. What's the crack with Alpine? Because 
Obviously, all everyone on Twitter is saying it's dog shit. Is it as bad as people are saying? I was just going to say uh, that everyone had a fairly bland testing run, apart from Alpine, who seemed to, yes, be a steaming pile of shit. Mm. <laughs> it was that bad. Could see about it. Uh, yeah, a lot of the publications have been putting them last. Like Oh, shit. So, oh, God. Yeah. I think it wasn't autosport. It could have been the race. Some of them put them dead last. A couple have put them like maybe above Haas and Alfa Romeo or uh, Sauber. Sauber kick, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they seem to have regressed. They're one of the only cars that's still overweight as well. And their oh, engine geez. is underperforming. So, oh no. Yeah. Could be related. Um, no, usually if you're under the weight limit, you're more liable to be unreliable. Oh, really? Because you're obviously sacrificing something somewhere. Oh, I get yeah, what you so, mean. Yeah. Oh. So as in they would, they like, if they have more cooling, etc., that would make the engine more reliable, but the car heavier. Yeah, they seem to just have no pace at all and no direction. I like, yeah, really bad. And it continued into the practice sessions we've had so far. Yikes. I think that was largely it, though, for testing. I don't think there was any other big moments that I, off the top of my head, I can remember. Williams, etc., they all were kind of fine. The grid overall seemed really close. Outside of Red Bull, estimated to be about half a second ahead of the grid. Everyone else seems very tight. So I think we'll have a really interesting battle this year for the kind of lower positions. Mm-hmm. Moving on then to some uh, unsavoury news. The Horny Horner debacle continues. So a quick update from our last episode where this is the gift that keeps on giving. As of Wednesday, allegations against Christian Horner of inappropriate behaviour towards a female staff member has been dismissed. So that means he has been cleared currently of the allegations and this was done by an investigation under Red Bull's Austrian parent company, Red Bull GmbH, after the allegations were made against him. The person who made the allegations has the right to appeal, but there is a more interesting layer to this that has just come out, which is a Google Drive link has been shared with hundreds of journalists and all team principals by an anonymous email address claiming to have evidence of Horner's texts to the female employee who made the allegations. And obviously within hours, screenshots from the Google Drive have come up and there's a lot of dupes and a lot of Photoshop going on. But I have read some of the text, the screenshots. They're like, I, the way I would describe it was just weird. It's a funny one because it's not overtly like sexual, but it definitely is a bit odd that like someone from your work of the opposite sex will be texting you these things. Yeah, I feel like they're definitely kind of, the screenshots have been sculpted. What we've seen so far have been sculpted around a bigger reveal. Yes, Are you talking I agree. about like there's there needs to be more context when you're reading the the text messages to understand what's going on? Yes. Yeah. So there are snippets. So in case you haven't seen this, I mean, I just go on Twitter, they're everywhere. But in case you haven't seen their screenshots of different conversations, so they're only snippets of a couple of messages. And also it's from the the employee's point of view because I was reading them the other way around for ages thinking that Christian was the green uh, message and he was sending them obviously not they're like they're along the lines of just him texting them texting back and forth but you might say oh I like you can we read a few 
It's not compelling. No, it's, you know, it's not compelling. He, he kind of says, no. I like you. And she says, oh, I don't know if your wife would like that. And then he might say in another conversation, can I call you? And there's a missed call and she says, I'm in bed. And he says, I know, you know. Yeah, kind of can't wait to see you stuff. And yeah. Oh, yeah, it is a bit weird. Yeah, there's like. It's tricky. There's no concrete proof that anything was occurring and mm-hmm. none is in this, these messages, but it's heavily implied, you would think. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely weird. I think we should caveat this with the fact that these are completely unconfirmed and they look relatively authentic with the photos, etc. But, I mean, in the days we live in at the moment, there's absolutely zero guarantees in that. I think, yeah, the fact that they're from, well, the employee's perspective, I think is interesting because that nearly might give it a bit more credence that it'd probably be easier to get, if this was a hack or whatever, it'd be easier to get her information than Christian Horner's, I would assume. Yeah, Yeah. but I feel like if you're going to fake it, that's the most obvious thing you're going to do. Like, Christian's hardly going to be taking screenshots and sending them out. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was also impressed by the number of emails that they achieved. As someone who sends emails for a living to journalists, I'm like, how did you get so many emails? How did you get access to all those principal emails? (laughs) Well, it's like the source is anonymous, so it could be somebody Mm. from within Red Bull who, you know, Mm. would have access to these. No doubt we'll come back to this story anyway as it develops. Helmut M., no, that's that's too obvious. Okay. Marco. <laughs> J for stopping. <laughs> helmetmarco at gmail.com. Yeah. Gmail at helmetmarco.com. Yeah, I think the only thing with this is really like, this could get so much worse. If there mm. is worse coming out in the messages, the fact that Red Bull have cleared them and now this is coming out makes them look fucking horrendous. It yep. makes Horner look horrendous. It makes, like, it'll just create such a weird atmosphere in the whole grid that it's like, oh, so that was acceptable, was it? You've investigated. And yeah, so that's why I'm kind of uh, taking it with a pinch of salt at the minute, because I don't think yeah, I agree. the global Red Bull brand that is worth billions would clear him if mm-hmm. that was the case. And again, in the modern day, this app can happen so easily. They would have considered this side that the information got leaked. So yeah, very true. Very yeah, true. I'm... Wait and see more. Me too. Yeah, we should. We should. The jury is still out for sure. It's just, uh, it's very like Gossip Girl, do you know? <laughs> At the is moment. there a lawsuit? Is there a lawsuit? It, like, or is it literally just... No, no it's, no, it's just been internal. There's been random, so there's just been allegations and Red Bull investigated them and they've cleared them. But there's no... There's, like, yeah, so I no think it's very like forward. corporate, as in it's, it's all within like a HR sphere, as far as yeah. I understand. So like they can, okay. that person can appeal... And have a, another investigation, which maybe might happen, but that's currently what the, like, whatever the HR department has. And that's why the Red Bull Global brand, so the GmbH, was conducting the investigation and not, yeah, not the internal Red Bull Racing F1 team. Yeah, no, I would understand that. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But yeah, we'll hear more and more about that as the weeks. This is my hobby horse now, so no doubt I'll bring it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> So on to this weekend and today, because qualifying is in, what, like eight hours or something? Yeah, it's a... As of recording. Yes. So the race this week is on Saturday and it is the same for next week as well. So just mark that in your calendars because of Ramadan is going on. So open the season on a Saturday. I don't know if this has ever happened before, but mm. I'm sure somebody out there does. Let us know. Yeah, so we've already had two practice sessions with wildly different results. FB1 in Bahrain is always 
effectively pointless because it's not a representative session at all in terms of track conditions. So, and especially after coming off a week of testing as well, there's, you know, they're probably just getting mileage on the car more than nothing because they did seem to be out quite a bit during it. But Ricardo obviously topped that session, which was interesting. The RBs are taking a bit of speed from the RBs. It will be interesting to see if that, I always am hesitant almost with, especially at the start of the season with free practice, because it could be complete red herring, but it would be cool. I mean, wouldn't it be nice? (laughs) I mean, we we know that they're sharing more tech between themselves and the parent team, I suppose the term. Mm. So they should, in theory, be faster. I think Ricardo and Sonoda are a good pairing if Sonoda can race well. I know that sounds stupid, but (laughs) on his day, he's fantastic. But we just don't see him on his day often enough. Yeah, that's true. I think, yeah, just the way you phrase it is funny. You know, if the team do well, they could do really well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But so yeah, we'll watch Mm. them with keen interest, I suppose, for the season. FP2 was topped by the pair of Mercedes, I think, wasn't it? It was, yes. It was, yeah. So Hamilton led FP2 and then it was George followed by Alonso in third, which was interesting. I've seen the race pace simulations from the session as well. And Max is still quite a journey ahead. There's kind of estimations of three to five tenths ahead but these take in a lot of assumptions as well on fuel loads everything so it's hard to know but what was interesting is they didn't know Perez as being that far ahead so Mm. it does seem like we'll have Formula Max and then Formula 1.1 behind it again this (laughs) year anyway yeah I wonder is Perez gonna have kind of the similar season this year with so much struggle for what shouldn't be if that makes sense Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think last season he kind of had it in his head he could challenge Max, and that made it worse because it was swinging from highs to very lows. Yeah, I think if he kind of goes back and reassumes that role he maybe had in twenty twenty one a bit better, he could perform better over the course of the season. You know. Yeah, I think he did get in his head, and then there was a lot of, not infighting, I guess, but like squabbling about things in the background then because in his head he wasn't getting yeah. treated fairly for the expectations that he had in his head for where he wanted to be mm-hmm. I think hopefully this year if he can just be like yeah I'm going to be P2 I'm going to be the second driver and do his best from that point of view he can only get better if that makes sense so yeah hopefully. famous last words <laughs> yeah true actually fair enough yeah watch him just completely spiral downhill get replaced by Ricardo halfway through the season yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you see that's it's kind of a different perspective now this year as well as in last year it wasn't really like like Sonoda was looking down the barrel of replacing him in in the Red Bull but after how bad he was he's now shifted from attempting to get close to Max to making sure he's staying ahead of the pair of boys and the, the, the seat, RB like, yeah yeah I also heard rumors that um maybe not so much rumors I think there was an interview recently with some Red Bull execs and that they're eyeing up was it Albon for a multi-year contract as well? So I don't know where he's going to go. So, but I imagine they're thinking of getting rid of Perez at some point and then shifting the teams around. So, but what? How long? I is... mean, given the strength of their car, like they can have whoever they want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they also have Lawson you know. in in their back pocket as well, and he done quite yeah. well last year. So I'm kind of confused as to where he might fit into it. Um, unless they're just I don't know. Not really sure, actually. I would love to see him come back. Who, Albon or or Lawson? Lawson. Yeah, I would like to see him come back too. I wonder, are they... Also, weird, actually, Yuki is probably going to move, I'd imagine, to 
the new Honda team whenever they join in 2026, isn't it? Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I'd say that's his only saving grace. I'm not sure if anyone else will pick him up. Yeah, I imagine yeah. he's going to move to Honda then and then we'll have Lawson and Albon maybe in the Alpha Tauri. Or, sorry, I don't v- think there's a cash up. There's way too many moving parts in the driver market at the minute, actually. Make a call. So outside of we know Max will be at Red Bull, Hamilton and Leclerc at Ferrari, George will probably stay at Mercedes, Lando at McLaren. Yeah. Outside of that, I think all bets are off, effectively. I I could see Oscar sticking with McLaren for another year. Like Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Sorry, I'm on about for after next year and oh, into 2026. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think we'll need to wait until... I think when Science's seat gets announced, that will... Mm. That will be That's the first. The that'll, yeah, that will be the one that kicks off. Obviously, signs back at Red Bull. More, more drivers at Red yeah, Bull. Yeah, I think that's that's more likely than a lot of the other things are being discussed. But I don't know where else he'd want to go. I know he doesn't really have much choice. He kind of just needs a seat. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Outside of that, from the first two practices, there wasn't a huge pile of information. No, no. Um, really. Alpine were shit again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say that obviously FP2 was more a better simulation of the race itself. Yeah, it's closer to the actual conditions at the mm-hmm. race. It's carried out at the time of day, everything like that. Yeah, you'd take a bit more from that. But again, even the Mercedes lads were both like, oh, the car is better than we thought, but Red Bull are withholding a lot. <laughs> they can, you know, they'll see on simulations and in GPS track and everything how the car is behaving and even like from the little bit I watched there was a lot of lockups that kind of thing not a huge pile of metal Red Bull it looks really stable while they're driving it and usually you can't really tell that from yeah like, like no matter what complaints they have yeah like Max's the first radio message of the year actually was Max saying this is shit basically <laughs> it's like yeah but like again like, this is shit compared to what we were driving last week sort of thing and the fact that they have they they can change that much and still expect it to be performing well kind of shows you how yeah, much definitely. they have to play with. Yeah, qualifying and into the race. Qualifying, obviously, I think qualifying is a bit more of an open book because Red Bulls traditionally over the last couple of years have aimed more at race setup and mm-hmm. so they don't really prioritise qualifying as much as they could, I would say. But they seem to have made big breakthroughs on tyre deg, which they didn't have that much of anyway last year. So they may be able to set it up a bit more aggressive for qualifying i would say because of that that they're less concerned about their long run pace maintenance than they were last year possibly so that's ominous as well the race itself it's going to be at least a two-stop usually it's a very abrasive track so it's i think okay. the, yeah pirelli you say basically every year yeah. it's the most abrasive track on the calendar so it and this is why at the start of every year it's always kind of ferrari mercedes look kind of shit because <laughs> They have had tyre issues over the last couple of years, so it's helped other teams look better closer to them, kind of. So I don't know if we talked about this already, but did anyone see the Ferrari promo where they put up a four second no. pit stop? No. No? So they had the like one of their ads for like, I don't know, campaigning for this year in terms of like yeah. oh like look at the car, look how good it is. They put up a an overhead pit stop, like you know, like the one you see in Drive to in Survive. Drive to Survive. But it was like it was the pit stop like out in the middle of the like nowhere. So it wasn't like not nowhere, but like um there was no uh garage around. Yeah. So it was like very clean looking, very nice. But uh, they got hung up on the front <laughs> left tire and they took four seconds. Yeah. But like this was their promo and then Ferrari addressed it and I think they said something like ah, Fair play like, to them for <laughs> going with it. Quite funny. Yeah. Hopping on that, that's it. clever. 
yeah, no, it is like that. It was a funny post they made, but like it's just it's just funny that they had to do it at all. Yeah, so we'll have a lot more to talk about the lay of the land, I suppose, next week because we'll have seen the race pace. But yeah, that's our quick preview of the Bahrain Grand Prix. So we have a guest on today. So we have Mick, who's going to introduce the fantasy teams and give his perspective on what's the best picks you can make for your season. So Mick, take us away. <laughs> Hi guys, Woo. good to be back for the new season. This year I'm going to take you through a couple of drivers who I like and dislike at the start of the season for your fantasy team. So much like everyone else, I watched practices yesterday, hoping it give me some clarity as to what direction I take my team. But I'm just left more confused than ever. <laughs> Hoping that today will finally give me that. So to start off, we'll get the, the elephant out of the room and talk about Max. Last year, I had a very short segment on Max where I just said, put him in your team and forget about him. <laughs> uh, this year, I'm going to stick with putting him in your team at the start of the year. But I do think he's a massive risk this year and having him makes it prohibitively expensive and really limits who else you can put in your team. But at least for the first couple of weeks of the year, I think we're going to run with the probable <laughs> yeah. race winner. It is a big change this year. They, they've really restricted budget. Like last year, you could have Max, Red Bull and another like Ferrari and do really well. Whereas now you really can't. Yeah, with Aston Martin taking such a big step forward last year, it made it so simple. The Aston guys were so cheap and you could just stick them in. I think the Aston Martin constructor was like 8 million last year. So Aston Martin and Red Bull cost you 34 million, whereas this year yeah. it'll cost you closer to 50. What's your budget cap on the fantasy? So we're starting off with 100 million at the start of the year. Uh, you can do some wheeling and dealing and increase that budget cap throughout the year by having kind of the right oh. drivers in at the right time. You can end up getting positive and having... 1.105 million by halfway through the season, which used to be my strategy, trying to do a bit of wheeling and dealing. But this year, we'll talk about a driver that I don't like now at the moment, which is actually the next most expensive driver in Lando, coming in at 23 million at the start of the year. And at that price, it's a bit really surprising. want to be getting you a guaranteed second place every week, uh, which I don't see happening. I see Ferrari, Mercedes, probably even Checo, uh, chipping in and taking away spots from him throughout yeah, the year. Yeah, I was very surprised at how expensive he was. Yeah, I don't really see it. Yeah, I feel like they kind of fucked him over a bit in terms of like if they want people to pick him for his team, he's a bit expensive for what you're getting back in terms of that, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I think if you're a big McLaren fan, you'll probably still put him in, but that probably means you're not putting in Max, which means you're not <laughs> going to do very well. Uh, yeah, and Oscar is... 19 million so he's basically the same price as Hamilton yeah that was crazy <laughs> yeah how often do the prices change out of curiosity every week Formula 1 does a price update it used to be done on a sentiment system which was based on who was picking up and dropping who and prices would go up and down that way last year they started just kind of bulk adding or dropping price to drivers which I don't like because it makes it a little bit of a game of luck if you put a driver in at the right time you can just have an extra million the next week yeah it makes more sense to do it on a like a supply demand basis i know there's not a supply and demand sure game but in terms of if a lot of people are flocking to one driver it would make more sense to make them expensive people are ditching a driver it makes them to make sense to make them i don't know why they would change that model <laughs> but yeah uh, i think it came down to people who are starting to abuse the old sentiment system with bot accounts oh we mm. can't have anything nice but i miss the old sentiment system we can't can't <laughs> makes us feel like we have a, a choice <laughs> oh yeah 
Yeah, and that's largely why I would avoid Lando, because I feel like if he struggles for a couple of races at the start of the year and isn't getting on the podium, you're going to see that 23 million go down to close to 20 million very quickly and probably Oscar losing a similar amount of price. And that's money in your budget that you can't get back unless you find another driver who's lower down and is doing extremely well which will take me on to the next driver that i actually like for the start of the season pacing a lot of this on p1 yesterday is daniel ricardo yeah i'm, I'm just on the, the page here i think everyone seems to agree with that oh no he's the second highest selected driver so yeah i think he's a pretty safe shout at the moment oh, that's cool. nine million yeah daniel rick's coming in at nine million which is a really nice price point um for a racing bulls team that actually looks quite competitive this year. Uh, they seem to have taken quite a large step forward and obviously taken the, the Red Bull suspension from last year definitely has attributed to some of that. Um, but Ricardo and even Yuki, if you're so inclined, looked quite comfortable in the car throughout the practices and the P1, P2 sessions yesterday. Um, so they're probably a good bet for a budget driver you can put into your team. That is my plan. And by the percentages, I think everyone else has plan as well. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at another, I'm going to go for a pair of drivers that I really don't like this year, are the Alpine guys. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. How expensive are they? And they are both coming in around the 9 million mark. So the same as Ricardo, but... Uh, oh, God. Yeah, that is based largely on the fact that they came sixth in the Constructors last year, and they are unfortunately not looking very pacey this year. <laughs> I had a question about earlier. You said you, you think Max is a risk later on in the year. Why is that? I just think where his price point is at, he limits what else you can do with your team. Uh, he's at 30 million, which is almost a third of your budget on a single driver. And you still have to fill out four more drivers and two constructors after that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they should just exclude him altogether. Not from racing, I meant from... Well, from also from that. <laughs> I imagine that's what they're trying to... They're trying to mimic, like... Because otherwise, you know, everyone's going to have Max and put their chips on him and a lot of people are going to come out with the same points at the end of the year. Yeah. But, you know, if you took him out of the equation, then you're making up the remainder of the grid. It's a lot more interesting to see how you'd fare at the end of that. Yeah. I think overall, Mick, what you're really saying is that this isn't the time to be taking big risks on drivers that could swing massively in value. I think so, yeah. I think at the start of the season, if you can conserve as much of the 100 million budget as you have and actually increase on it a little bit, it will give you a lot more options later in the season, which is where you can make a lot, a lot of points in certain races where you know. So, for instance, Alex Albon is a driver that I like. He has a really good price point at 7 million at the moment. But I don't particularly like him for the first couple of races of the year where Williams aren't particularly that good. But you can pick him up later in the year in a race like Monza and be pretty sure that at 7 million he's going to get you a top 10 finish and a good qualifying score as well. Yeah. Um, I think is that pretty much or is there anything else? That'll be it for this year. I'll or uh, For this year? This year, yeah. Cheers for coming in. See you next I'm, year, Mick. I'm one and done. You don't have the budget for me. <laughs> I Mick think, is a, a cool nine mil. <laughs> While we have you here, will we just finish off the episode with our predictions for the first race? I suppose we'd do podium. While you're here, Mick, we may as well do some predictions for the first race. So if we all take a stab at the podium, uh, I'm going to say Max Charles Lewis. Okay, I'm not going to stray too far away from you now. I'm going to say Max in first 
hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, I think Charles as well for second, uh, but I'm going to say Lando for third. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think obviously the first two positions are probably, that's the budding rivalry that hasn't started yet for the season. But yeah, obviously Max, P1, Charles, P2, I agree with that. And I'm thinking Perez, P3. My prediction, so I think Mick's prediction was pretty accurate. I would say, shockingly, Max for P1. I'm going to say a Mercedes in P2 potentially or else it's going to be a rebel rebel Mercedes. Um, I'd love to see a back liar in there like a Danny Rick. Well, I think it's probably I think it's probably going to be a Max, either Hamilton or George and then Perez. So we'll revisit our predictions probably next week when we're doing our race review episode. So let's park it there, folks. Next week, we'll be back with the first race review of 2024. If you've enjoyed the podcast, be sure to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and help spread the word by telling your friends and family about us. We're also on Instagram at Did You Watch The Race, all one word. And while you're there, be sure to check out our resident artist, Coley Illustrations. So I've been Jason. I've been Gemma. I've been Colm. And I've been Mick. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>